We're back. Welcome to season six of the Iron Woman podcast. I'm Rosalie, and I want to tell you, I love to bike ride. It's my favorite daytime activity. And my nighttime favorite activity is playing piano. And I'm in the middle of all of that. I like to watch TV and play video games and stuff. Support us by supporting our sponsors, Crave Jerky, F2C Nutrition, Rudy Project, and Smashfest Queen. And now, the ladies you've been waiting for, Alyssa Gadeski and Haley Chura. Haley, happy Labor Day. Hi, Alyssa. Thank you. I I celebrated this wonderful holiday we have here in the U.S. and Canada by doing a bit of laboring. Um, (laughs) I need to start over. (laughs) No, we're keeping it. We're continuing because that is one of the most awesome Haley Chura jokes I've heard in a while. So we're keeping that as as you tell us about how you labored today. I outside. I did ride my bike outside on the road and it was great. I mean, I love my job, so I don't mind doing a little bit of work on Labor Day. It is something I kind of sometimes miss. There's very few things I miss about the corporate world, but it is so nice sometimes when you're looking forward to those three-day weekends and like everyone's just so excited and it's like time away from the office. And then now the flexibility of kind of living the triathlon life is nice, even though training really seems totally inflexible a lot of the time. But I do, you never really get that like satisfaction of having those vacations anymore from work. So hopefully everyone had a fun day off and we have something actually to celebrate on this Labor Day week for you. And that is that we are celebrating the return of one of our returning sponsors, Crave Jerky. I'm so pumped because after this episode, I'm going to get online and order some chili lime beef Crave Jerky. And because that's just what I have been craving lately is all the beef. So everyone can join me in supporting Crave and supporting the podcast and welcoming our sponsor back. Yes. So thank you to Crave Jerky. They've been great to us and we are excited to have them back. And as we continue over the next few weeks, we will continue bringing back some of our other sponsors as well. So keep listening for those new and updated codes and such. And Haley, my week was super quiet this week. I'm getting back into the routine and the structure of training again. I actually had time to go up and visit my parents because my sister was at home. So that was nice. It's like super, super. Everyone was so shocked. They're like, oh, you're going to take the time to drive up. And I mean, it's only three hours. But normally they know my weekends would be like very hard to find three hours to drive one way and then three hours to drive home. So everyone was really excited. I had like the golden daughter award of the weekend, which was lovely. And then you set the bar kind of low. <laughs> All you have to do is show up and you're the golden child. Wow. <laughs> I know that's a little scary, right? About how I, what other things have gone on, I guess, but whatever, I'll take it. They were all really excited. And I was really excited to see them and hang out too and not have to wake up super early the next morning to try and like squeeze in a run or a workout before everyone else in the house wakes up or anything and even notices. So that was really fun. And then I did go back to master's last week. And I've master talked to swimming, master swimming, swim practice, swim okay. practice, Haley. It's my favorite, which 
if you knew me before, like this time last year, I would have never uttered the words that swim practice is my favorite. But that's because I started going to this new master's group and the coach there is my favorite. His birthday, his 86th birthday is this week, Kaylee. He doesn't listen what to podcasts, you, so I can are tell you. Guys. Celebrate? We are. We're gonna all meet in the hallway before the swim practice, and I'm baking cupcakes. And we're going. They're gonna have. He loves red and black because he coached at NC State for so long. And so I'm gonna write a big E on all the cupcakes. We have some. Someone bring candles and a card and some presents for his dogs. He has these Great Dane dogs. And then we're gonna walk into the pool deck singing Happy Birthday, and he's gonna be so excited. What's the E for? Easterling. His name's Don Easterling. Oh, okay. Like E is not NC State. But, no, yeah, um, yeah. That's a good point. We call ourselves the E team after him. Ah, uh, mm-hmm. very cool. Well, that should be really fun. You'll have to let us know how it went. And what have you been up to this week? So I've been training quite a bit. We've had fantastic weather here in Bozeman, so I've gotten outside a lot. And I also did something kind of cool. I went to uh, something called the Last Best Outdoors Fest. And it was kind of a festival about 30 minutes away from Bozeman. And the theme of the festival was women in the outdoors. And the keynote speaker was actually Sally Jewell, who was the former secretary of the interior of the United States under the Obama administration. So I got to hear her talk and they also featured a panel of female business owners that are in the outdoors industry. And it was really well done. It was really interesting just hearing, I mean, Sally was actually there asking these female business owners questions about, you know, what is it like to be a female business owner in the outdoor industry? What are some of your challenges? What are some of the things you love about Montana? And it was a, you know, it was a political event, mostly to raise awareness for the protection of public lands in Montana. There are a couple things up on the ballot that would allow mining outside of Yellowstone and the Land and Water Conservation Fund, which are are things that do affect me as a triathlete because I do use public lands. If anyone watched my birthday picnic video, we were hiking on public lands. A lot of the roads that I ride through are bordering or close to public lands. So I am very, you know, conscious of, of these debates. And it was cool to see these people all get together and kind of talk about why we need this when we spend so much time in the outdoors and seeing Sally Jewell speak, you know, a female leader in our, you know, our nation's political environment is, is really cool. No, I think that's really interesting. Haley. I'm so glad you got to go. And I agree that as I've become a triathlete, I think my awareness of what is public land and what isn't has grown and just, you know, as I did the project, like the fastest known time run on the Vermont long trail, right? Like all of those lands I was running and training on a lot of them were public lands. And I had to kind of be aware of some of those, you know, like what was going on. And I just can't imagine if that was kind of threatened, you know, it would just, it would be tough. And I think if everyone took a good hard look at how much public land they are using, you might be a little bit surprised and think about, you know, just a a quick call sometimes to your senators and things like that, or to Haley senators, even if you are super, um, you know, invested in Haley's career and her training on the public lands could go a long way. Yes. Oh yeah. I'm happy to, uh, link to those Senator John Tester and Senator Steve Daines. We can, if you want their phone numbers, I can give them to you. I have called both of them myself for various issues in the last year. And I will say John Tester has a human answer his phone and it's really fun. It's kind of a rush. Like you just say, 
that I'm, you know, calling in support of this issue or in not support of this issue. And they just take your, you know, they take your information and that's it. It's actually super painless, but you get this really cool feeling that you are making a difference. And I think, you know, every, they have to tally every single call that they get. So even if you feel like you aren't doing anything, you are, and yes, you can call senators from other states. You don't have to stay in your own state. You can say, you know, I'm concerned about this other state, which is, it's a big deal because Montana tourism is a, a big part of our economy. So I think they do have to take it seriously, even if you are not a Montana resident. So yeah. definitely it's, it's fun. I think it's really fun being involved. <laughs> Well, thanks for going and for sharing the messages that you heard. And we'll move on to some of the races that happened. And by some of the races, I mean, really just one massive race that happened over the weekend, Haley. And that is the 70.3 World Championship that went down in South Africa last weekend. They had the women's race on Saturday, the men's race on Sunday. And it was a pretty solid weekend of racing from what it looked like. I admit that I was fast asleep during the coverage, but I did watch bits and pieces of it all as I woke up and caught up on it all. And some of the age group racing was finishing as I was waking up, actually. So I did catch some of of that finish line coverage. But Haley, did you get to see any of the race unfold? So like you, I was asleep. I think the race started at 1130 p.m. here, Montana time. So I did not catch the race live, but I did see some clips afterwards. It looked like you know, a fantastic race. We saw Daniela Reef take the win, but I think Lucy Charles surprised a lot of people with how close she was to Daniela coming off the bike just behind her and Ann Hogg's 116 run split to come in third was ultra impressive. So, I mean, it was very impressive racing all around. I did have an age group athlete racing and I talked to her and she said the water was 59 degrees on race morning for the women. And then apparently the next day it warmed up seven degrees for the men. So it was kind of, it was interesting. I think the conditions were actually pretty different on Saturday and Sunday for the women's race and then the men's race. And I think I, I actually was wondering about that because I think I was watching and Sarah true had a neoprene cap on, I think it was her that had kind of like, and I was like, Oh, the water must be pretty cold, you know, to be wearing that. And then But they looked like, I think they had pretty decent weather, like wind otherwise, but, and then I think the men actually had some rain. So I guess the weather system moved in and with the ocean water, it just, it is crazy how much of a change you could get. And it it is kind of cool that they had like totally different race days and race conditions from that. And Haley, I don't know if you caught this in any of the photos at least, but it was, so Daniela has, she posted, she called it a wardrobe malfunction. So it looks like probably the zipper on her arrow suit something either broke or she just couldn't get it on or something after the um, swim. So she actually rode with her arrow top open, Haley, and then ran with it open. And for anyone out there who's really into aerodynamics and stuff like that, that's actually a pretty big time. I mean, she's basically, it's like a sail on the bike um, when you have that open like that. And for someone who she won, you know, and went 401, I, I can't help but wonder if she wonders if that sub four was within reach, had her kit been zipped up, but, um, it's also really, well, cool. she went, she went sub four, like three weeks ago true, in Poland. True. So it's not like she's been trying to break that barrier. I think getting the win was probably enough for her. Yeah, I guess maybe, <laughs> but you never know, you know, I mean, you always kind of wonder how fast maybe you could go at a world championship, but 
I do think that it's an interesting lesson, right? So she had the, you know, that's a pretty big problem. And I think a lot of people could easily get their heads kind of wrapped into this. Oh no, this is going to cost me minutes, right? Like how, what am I going to do? Lucy's right with me. And again, I'm, I'm losing minutes, you know? And I mean, again, I don't know. I didn't watch the coverage, so maybe she was kind of making a fuss about it or something, but I don't, I didn't get the impression that she was. And I think it's just a good lesson for people to realize that even the women at the front are having problems go wrong, you know, like things don't always work perfectly for those women who are winning. And at the end of the day, her zipper didn't affect her legs, right? So she just, she probably kept that mentality and was able to have a good day, and she's obviously. Quite lucky that this race was in Africa and not in Europe, where that is a penalty. <laughs> so, That's true. Um, That's for even true. the women having it unzipped like that. Now, we can go into that discussion at a different time, but no, it was an amazing race. And I do think the picks that you, myself, and Holly put up last week, I don't know if we want to revisit those. And oh, I, I, I did. Would, I would love to revisit them, Haley. I did, Holly. Um, so, Holly had picked just to refresh all of our listeners for all of our listeners. Holly picked Daniela Reef for the win. I believe she she kind of alluded to Ann Hogg. We'll say she picked Ann Hogg for second. And then Lisa Huthaler for third. Um, Lisa did not race and was third. So we're just going to say that Holly's picks didn't quite pan out. She should have picked a dark mare. So we, she had a third, fourth. <laughs> but um, so she did not fulfill the all the criteria. I picked Daniela Reef for the win, Sarah True for second, and Ellie Salthouse for third. If we go by cross-country scoring where low score wins and we'll give each person a point based on their finish, Daniela was first, Sarah was 10th, so I get 10 points for Sarah, and then eight points for Ellie, who was um, my third pick. So I get 19 points. I hope everyone's following this. (laughs) And then Alyssa's picks, she picked Daniela for the win. She had Emma Pallant for second place. Emma actually finished ninth. And then you picked Lucy Charles for third. Lucy actually picked finished second, which gives you 12 points and the victory in our pick contest. What do you think you won? What's your prize? What do you want? (laughs) I would take some crepe jerky would be lovely. Send me a package my way, Haley, anytime. But we can also combine this with our Kona picks coming up soon and, you know, make a bigger tournament out of this. I'm all for I'm all for competition. Yeah, I think I'm got I have some black cherry barbecue pork headed your way. Well, Haley, I guess we will start to introduce our interview for this week. This is a pretty big day for us. We have one of definitely the most iconic female iron women that has ever competed. We have Chrissy Wellington on the show today. And fun facts about Chrissy Wellington. If her four Ironman World Championships weren't enough, maybe the fact that she just always won an Ironman when she showed up is enough. I don't know. What do you think? (laughs) Yes, I believe it was, I mean, something like 13 wins in 13 starts at Ironman distance races. And she still holds the record for an Ironman distance world record that she set in 2011 at Challenge Roth. And that time was 8.18. Eight hours and 18 minutes, ladies and gentlemen. And that record still stands. And I mean, Daniela is doing very well, but 818 is, is incredible. Chrissy is also the author of two books. She wrote a autobiography called A Life Without Limits. And then her new book is called To the Finish Line. She'll give us a little preview about what that is like and tell us about what she's doing now in her life as a retired former 
oh, are you ever former world champion? I guess it's former. Or do you say, I'm still a world, or I guess it's former world champion, but she'll give us, you know, tell us know what she's doing now and kind of what she has planned both in the athletic and the personal sphere. Crave Jerky is back as an Iron Women podcast and Live Feisty sponsor. We love Crave Jerky because it is low in fat, a good source of protein, gluten-free, and contains all natural ingredients. Crave meat snacks are made with tender gourmet cuts of meat and crafted flavors with elevated yet simple ingredients. I personally love the sweet chipotle beef, black cherry barbecue pork, and chili lime beef flavors. But other favorites include lemon garlic turkey and garlic chili pepper beef. Hi, Chrissy. Welcome to Iron Women. Thank you. Great to be on. Thanks so much for coming. We have a lot to chat with you on today. And so we'll just jump right in with our questions here. Uh, I'm really interested to hear from you about the professional racing scene now and your perspective on that. Because since you've retired from Ironman racing, there have been a lot of changes. Now we have some female-only races, some male-only pro events. The professional calendar was reduced by many races. And then coming in 2019, we're going to revert back to a slot-based Kona qualification system, which I think you know pretty well. So I'm, I'm interested what your take is on these changes, and do you think we're heading in the right direction for the professional iron distance racing? And then I'm also curious to see how you would see yourself fitting into racing these days against the top women like Daniela and Lucy. Oh, wow. God, that's a lot of questions. Um, (laughs) First, I'd like to say how, I guess, encouraged I am when I watch iron distance racing now. The the strength and depth of the female field really is phenomenal. And it's, it's, it's growing year on year. And that's something that we should be proud of and that should be celebrated. And whilst the, the Kona ranking system did have its problems and does have its its problems it has enabled more athletes to come to the fore and enabled more athletes I think to earn a living in the sport we have more races and more opportunities um, with the kind of three-tier system to enable athletes to to earn money from from the sport that said I do believe that the reversion to the the old format is is probably preferable there it has become uh, accepted and normal for for athletes of both genders to to race repeatedly throughout the year and that if you're taking a long-term perspective is not always healthy um it's become very normal for for ironman athletes to do you know three, four, five Ironman races a year. And and that won't enable them to be in the best shape possible for the biggest race of their career, which is the World Championships. So I very much welcome the the reversion back to the, the slot format. And I'm sure that a number of athletes like I did will continue to to do, you know, two or three, maybe even more races a year, but that will be a personal choice and they won't be obligated to. And I think that that's a very, very important, um, important distinction. Um, so I'm encouraged by, by the, 
by the way in which um, triathlon and, and Ironman specifically is is moving. Um, and in terms of your last question, how would I fare against the athletes of of today? I'm in awe of their performances and you cannot help but highlight Daniela as just this phenom that is still going from strength to strength and I still don't think we've seen the best of her and in all honesty would I be able to compete with her I'd give it a very good shot but I don't know whether my unbeaten record would uh, would have continued had we been racing in the in the same era she's just absolutely spectacular and at the moment head and shoulders um above above the rest of the field but that's not to say she can't be beaten Chrissy, what are you doing now, both professionally and athletically? We know that you recently released a new book, and I actually saw this week that you tweeted about running three-minute efforts. So it seems like you're still (laughs) doing some kind of training. So I'm curious, what is, quote-unquote, retirement like for Chrissy Wellington? Oh, wow. Retirement's a really complex process, and it would... You know, it could be the sub, you know, the single subject of a of an entire podcast. It's it's a really challenging process. On the one hand, I was very, very confident in my decision. I knew that the time was right for many reasons for me to retire, but that doesn't make it easy. Um, I retired on my own terms, and and that was very, very important to me. But psychologically, your identity is wedded to being a triathlete. Your financial security is, you know, is based on, you know, your triathlon performance, your public persona, your your um, entire existence, your self-validation is, is based on, on your performance in, in triathlon and, and the structure of, of your life. So for all of those different reasons, it comes as a shock to not have triathlon as, as the axis. But I think as I gradually moved away, I, I weaned myself off Firstly, the physical need to to do the training and the psychological need to do the training that I previously did. As an athlete, it was very normal for me to do five hours, six hours, seven hours <laughs> training a day. And you can't go from that to doing zero, or I couldn't. So it was a gradual process. So maybe the next year I did four, the next year I did three hours you know, a day, then the next year... I do kind of one. And so now for me, I'm, I'm happy and content if I can find a, you know, one hour slot to do some, um, to do some training each, each day. But that was, that was a gradual, a gradual process. Also really, really important was having different goals. You know, the world championships was my goal. It was my North star and you, you need to to replace that with with something different and that does take time and you have to be kind to yourself and you have to let that be a you know uh, a slower process than you know someone like me would would happily expect so accept sorry so i i set different goals whether they were 
physical racing goals or um, professional goals in terms of, of my career path. I had a, I have a new career as global head of health and well-being for an organization called Parkrun, and I've thrown myself into that, and I feel committed and passionate and driven to achieving in that in that career just as I did as a as an athlete I've also you know thrown myself into motherhood we are so blessed to to have our daughter and having her and spending quality time with her is really really important and is also is also a focus um like you said I I I wrote a book and that was a second baby. Um, it took a lot of time and a lot of energy. And I'm really, really proud of what I managed to to publish. And I really hope that people find it useful. It's very different from my autobiography, which didn't contain much in the way of kind of tangible, practical training advice. Hopefully, the second book provides a a wealth of advice on a range of different issues for people, but it was definitely a, a challenging process and and a kind of true labour of love. So retirement for me hasn't been kind of putting my feet up. I've been involved in so many different projects and that really has enabled me to kind of wean myself off that addiction to, to triathlon. But that said, I haven't stopped doing, you know, competitive sport. And I I gave myself time, a period of time where I wasn't entering um, races where there was like a tangible time goal. Um, I just wanted to do kind of endurance events and challenges, um, team events, um, sportifs, things like that. Um, and then last year for my 40th birthday, I decided to enter the London Marathon. Um, and that was a really, really enjoyable process, um, just training for a more specific time again. And I really, really enjoyed having that that structure and routine back. And then having said I'd never do an, uh, an ultra marathon, I entered two last year. So that was that is my kind of new passion and, and new challenge. This year I've entered Valencia um, and have started training in a slightly more structured fashion for that, and that's in uh, the Valencia Marathon in December. Do you still swim and bike at all? I mean, we hear all this about running, but do you ever just go in the pool or get on the bike and, you know, do a hard ride, not even just a casual ride? <laughs> I have to be honest and say my time trial bike has not – been out of the bike box since it was packed in 2011. I dread to think what it kind of smells and looks like. I have been out on the road bike. I was doing a lot more biking before we had Esme. Um, I had more time. Now my time is precious and I just feel that running gives me the bang for buck. I, If I have an hour, I go out and go out and run. It's easy, it's convenient, it's practical. And probably out of the three, it's the one I enjoy the most. But I do I do ride for cross training, but I wouldn't say that I did any specific targeted sessions or or high intensity efforts. And likewise with swimming. I really enjoy swimming, 
for the respite it gives me from running. I think that it's a great all over body conditioning form of exercise and I will never stop swimming. But again, like with biking, I do it for for relaxation, for recovery, rather than as um, uh, rather than to improve my swimming specific performance. If if you get what I mean, you brought up your position with park run, and I love that concept, and I've been following it a little bit as it's been growing. And can you just tell our listeners a little bit about what this is and what you think needs to happen to grow this on a global scale? Because <laughs> I think this is fabulous, and everyone could you know, everywhere should have this sort of thing going on. Oh, it's just such a phenomenal and very, very simple concept. So it started in 2004 when the founder, Paul Sinton Hewitt, he was an injured runner and wanted to bring some of his friends together. And he decided to organize a free 5k run around a park in London. And that was how Park Run was born. And it gradually grew as the uh, the concept caught on. So Park Runs are free weekly 5K events that are open to anyone in parks and open spaces across the UK and now around the world delivered by volunteers. So we have a small team head office of about 25 people and together with our with thousands of volunteers we deliver over 535k events across the UK every Saturday morning for about 130,000 people and I came on board initially to set up the Junior Park Run series of events. So these are 2K events based on the Park Run model, but 2K events for 4 to 14-year-olds specifically, and they're held on a Sunday morning. And every Sunday morning now we have about 14,000 children take part. And the beauty is in the simplicity. The events are free. You can turn up whenever you want. You can go every week. You could go once a year and it's really as much a community event as it is a running jogging walking event people come to meet up with their friends to talk to have them a social coffee afterwards and in that way it's empowering people beyond health and fitness opportunities and as global head of health and well-being, my role is to develop interventions to engage people that wouldn't ordinarily take part. So it's very easy, as we know in triathlon, to engage those that are already active, especially white middle classes. It's much harder and requires more targeted intervention to engage those who might encounter specific barriers so those with disabilities black and minority ethnic groups um, fe uh, females um, those living in areas of social deprivation so my role is to develop interventions to try and increase participation by those groups so part run is 
although founded in the UK, is now in over 20 countries around the world, um, including including the US. And hopefully, like a snowball, it will continue it will continue to grow. Christy, when I was racing as an age grouper, I had the honor of hearing many of your victory speeches. And I remember you always talking about the platform that your wins gave you. And if I'm not mistaken, the biggest message you tried to spread from that platform was encouraging people to try something similar to how you gave triathlon a try and ended up winning every Ironman distance race you ever raced and including four Ironman world championships. So looking back now on your career, are you satisfied with how you use that platform and how has your message evolved as you've moved through retirement? I don't know if I'm the person to comment on whether I've effectively used that platform. It's those that, that know me or know of me that can tell me whether or not I've been successful in that aim. I, I tried the very, very best I could with the opportunities that I was given. Listen, professional sport is is a selfish occupation. It's about the athlete and the achievement of of their goal. And that in itself is not is not a problem. But I really think that it can be made a lot less selfish um, and selfless if an athlete uses the opportunity they have to drive change. And that was really, really important to me. The the medals around my neck and I have, you know, the trophies in my cabinet and that's, that's fantastic. And I have wonderful, wonderful memories. But what is truly long lasting is, is a, is a legacy and it's a really overused term, but if, through our performances, we can inspire others to take part. That is such, that that achievement goes beyond any race performance. And it's not just me and other professional athletes that can do that. Each and every one of us can talk to our friends, our relatives, our work colleagues, the media about what we do and about why we love it. And in that way, inspire others. So hopefully it's not just me that wants to use a platform. It's, it's all of us and all of us have that opportunity. And looking back, the message I tried to convey as a professional athlete remains the same as it is today. And that's to never be afraid to try something new, like you said, because I constantly surprise surprised myself by what I was able to achieve but I was only able to do that because I was prepared to step outside of my comfort zone and had I never accepted the challenge of doing a triathlon in the first place in 2004 I never would have been blessed with the wealth of opportunities that that sport then gave me as an amateur and then as a professional if I hadn't have you know, dared to to become a professional athlete, again, I never would have become four-time world champion. And that's a lesson that I carry with me to this day and that I really try and and convey to others because we're all scared. We're all fearful. We're all worried about what people will think. We're all scared of failure. We're scared of what we look like. We're 
scared of you know not meeting our the goals we've you know said to others that we're you know we might achieve and that fear is very real but it can be so debilitating too and if we're just brave enough to throw caution to the wind a little bit and step outside of our comfort zone we can achieve so much more so even though I've retired and I've been retired you know a number of years now that message hasn't changed and it's one that I will try my very best to impart to my daughter and to all those that I I speak to. And Chrissy, we'd love to hear your favorite memory from your career looking back. What's the the one that kind of always makes you smile when you think of it? Can I have three? <laughs> that really greedy? <laughs> I'll do them very, 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 very quickly. The first one is crossing the finish line at Ironman, Arizona, um, to find out that my now husband had come third. And that was his first Ironman. And that was a really special moment, not because of what I'd achieved, but because what we'd achieved as a couple on that day. The second was breaking the world record at Challenge Roth. And whilst times are not the only measure of success, it's emblematic to me of an ability to defy the odds and defy what's what I thought I could possibly, possibly achieve. And likewise, my last race at Kona. That was the race I'd always dreamed of. It was not perfect. I don't know if you ever get a perfect race. I certainly didn't. But it was perfect just because I felt I overcame imperfections perfectly that day. And I had the battle with my competitors that I always dreamed of. I had the battle within myself and I crossed the finish line absolutely annihilated and I knew then that I had nothing more to give and it was the most gratifying satisfying joyous moment of of my career and Chrissy can you share some of the skills that you learned as a professional athlete that you're using in your quote unquote normal life today I wouldn't say necessarily it's only the skills that I'm using. It's also like the characteristics and traits. So most importantly, um, a desire to kind of follow my passion. And that's really, really important. I was doing that as an athlete and I will continue to do that to this day. Having a goal, it might not necessarily be a sporting goal, but that's really, really important. And having a motivation that underpins that goal Time management, especially as a parent, is really, really important. A willingness to endure. You know, life does not go smoothly in whatever career path you choose. And uh, as an athlete, you learn to endure the difficult times, the challenging times, the discomfort. And if you can then apply that to life, I think it helps you cope with um, some really difficult, challenging times. I learned the art of patience, um, although, you know, having a child is testing that to the limit. But that's really, really important. As an athlete, you have to be patient. You know, I achieved success relatively quickly, but also I had to be patient. And that, you know, that performance progression was, you know, not overnight and that's really really important to 
to remember as as well. Um, so I think those are some of the things that I try and that I think I learn as an athlete and I try and apply today. Well, Chrissy, thank you so much for your time. And as we go out here, um, I'm going to ask you one quick question that, you know, we're about five or six weeks, I guess, now from Kona. And you, it sounds like, may have already, you know, predicted Daniela head and shoulders above the others at this point. But can you share with us your prediction for the podium there as everyone kind of enters their Kona prep season and we'll be eyeing that. So give us your podium. Thank you so much for your time, too. My podium will be Daniela Reef, Lucy Charles. Oh, that could be. Oh. We're definitely putting you on the spot with this question. <laughs> Liz Blatchford. All right, She's definitely. Got, yeah. Such a British pride there, boy, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Chrissy. We, we love catching up with you and hearing all the great things you're doing. And although we miss you, on the race course. We're, you know, happy to hear what you're doing now and all the great things. And we'll have to definitely get our listeners to check out your book. Is there a best way to, to order it? Cause I know that there are like different ways to get books that will help you out the most. Um, it's called to the finish line and, um, a Google will probably tell you where your nearest bookseller is, but if not trusty Amazon will, I'm sure be able to provide in, in North America and the UK and Commonwealth at least. And hopefully if people are listening from other countries, they can also order from, um, one of those sites and, and, um, and get it delivered internationally. Well, Haley, I looked up Chrissy Wellington's London Marathon time from 2017, and she ran a 2:49. So she certainly was telling the truth that she kind of got back to structure and got back to business a little bit to run a 2:49. That's not messing around too much. That is impressive. Age 40, very cool, Chrissy. And if anyone is wondering about that book, it is called To the Finish Line. Um, I know Chrissy said you could get it online. You probably could also get out into your local bookstore and ask them to order it for you or even the library. You know, we all want to do what's best for, for our local communities and spread the love. So maybe if you order at the library, then a bunch of other people, other people can read it. Cause I think that's what Chrissy wants most is to get the word out. I think that's true, Haley. And I think that's just about all we have for the week Two a couple of reminders for our listeners. We have as always, the mailbag is open. And so if you have questions that you want Haley and I to answer, you can email us at any time. And that email is ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. And then just another thank you again to Crave Jerky for returning as sponsors. Bye, Alyssa. Bye, Haley. This is a special song. It's me and my friend's song that we made ourselves. This song is called Here I Am, Get Ready for the Chorus. I am here, now you cannot take me. I will stand up this whole entire time. I am strong, now you cannot beat me. I will stand up because I am here. The Iron Woman Podcast is a live, feisty media production. Our hosts are Alyssa Gadeski and Haley Chara, and our awesome editors, Aaron Hamilton. Thanks again to our sponsors, Crave Jerky, FTC Nutrition, Rudy Project, and Smash Fest Queen!